Gonna open all of them. Yeah, I think so, right? Awesome. <laughs> Do you guys normally have um, I got four openers? So smaller big. smaller beers? It depends. <laughs> okay. Well now you're in Berlin with us. So yeah. <laughs> Every everything is cheap, so we get bigger beers. Yeah. Thank you. I start to live in Bayern, so <laughs> yeah, okay. You have to get him another one. He needs a <laughs> I, double. I have, to, I have to practice. Yeah. Cheers. So, okay. Cheers. <laughs> we made that mistake in Munchen of ordering Colson. Mm. We got Mossen. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're drinking Jeva today, and uh, mm. we are in Berlin. Um, and we are talking English, as some of you might have noticed. So this is going to be an English interview. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know when we are playing the music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, welcome to another episode of Der Alltägliche Podcast. I'm sitting here with Laura and uh, Amanda, um, and they want to tell us a little bit about their story of being lesbian and what that means in uh, the times of being in Berlin, being American. Um, I'm very, very excited for you to, to be here. Um, maybe, Laura, you start by introducing yourself okay. to our listeners. Cool. Um, I'm a fan of the podcast, so thanks yes. for having me. <laughs> Finally, we find one. <laughs> yeah. um, we find the fan. The fan. Okay. <laughs> you should have brought her a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm Laura, and I grew up in Chicago. And I guess I'll come at this from like a queer angle but i grew up in kind of a conservative family um and yeah i don't know i guess i moved to berlin like way like about three years ago um and i don't really know like what angle to come from why did know. why did you come to berlin um actually this Like a lot of reasons, but in this context, I guess like I had an ex partner who um, who lived here for about six months, and he was a writer too, and we were dating at the time, and it was like very romantic to hear like oh how it is walking down the street in Berlin and all these people he was meeting. So I always had it in my head that I wanted to come here, and I was living in San Francisco, and I was just like needed something completely new. And so I had three suitcases and I moved to Berlin and I didn't know anyone and I didn't have like any German at all. Um, and I had never been to Germany before. So it was like a complete, uh, a complete adventure. But yeah. You said you're, you're a writer? No, he was a writer. Okay. So I was hearing like all this really romantic, like, <laughs> like I don't know, romantic emails, correspondence that you have when you're in a long distance relationship. Um, but yeah, and then, 
Yeah, and by that time I had already come out as queer, like in the States, but I had only had relationships with men before that. And so I'd been living like a really kind of straight, I guess, lifestyle, even though I was involved in queer activism already for a long time. Um, but yeah, it, I had only started really like having more girlfriends and stuff around that time. And then when I moved to Berlin, I was kind of like, Maybe I'm just a lesbian. <laughs> and then I started. Like, I don't know. I feel like kind of after that, I didn't. I don't know. When I moved to Berlin, I was really accessing like queer community in a way I hadn't before. Mm -hmm. okay. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, yeah, let's continue with Amanda. Uh, yes, I uh, am from Philadelphia. I had been living in New York City for three or four years, somewhere in there. But when I decided to move to Berlin, I basically came to Berlin on vacation, which is not something I had done before because a friend of a gay friend of mine from Brooklyn had moved to Berlin for also no good reason. And I thought I could visit him. I came out here for a month and a half, fell in love with the city, fell in love with the German woman, decided <laughs> New York didn't have anything for me at that point that Berlin didn't have. And uh, I moved out here and I preferred the life the pace of life. Um, there were a lot of things about living in Berlin that I preferred over New York. So when that relationship ended, I had no plans to go back. It didn't feel at that point like home was in the, in the States anymore at that moment. So I just stayed here and I met Laura, which was nice. And uh, yeah, the whole time I had a job that I had also been doing in America that was able to keep me on in Berlin. So it was rather easy for me in that respect um, to come here with no German but still have a paycheck and now I can speak German enough <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's how I'm here okay. um, I think before we get into the topic we have to get a little bit of terminology for our German listeners because um, I, I, even even I was struggling so what does career exactly mean can you Can you give me an example? So what does mean gay? What what does mean lesbian? What is queer? And uh, to to give us an idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you want to start? You looking I can, no, I can. <laughs> I mean, I can start and then. But I feel like there's no definitions. Like, I'm just going to. I feel like it's a little bit tough. Like, maybe I'll say what I think they mean and that yeah. might help. But yeah. I mean, That's, I mean, what you think is at, as, at least enough for the podcast, yeah, right? So, sure. so the definition yeah. within the, the next. Yeah. One think, hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And for me too, like, I think a cool thing about community, like queer community and identity is that everyone can decide for themselves, like what word they use and what it means to them, but it's not this like public thing. And so gay can mean, and I use different words in different contexts all the time. Um, yeah, it almost has at this point more to do with what subculture within the... Yeah gay community you identify more with so if I, i think there has become some baggage around the term gay that it's more just white gay men who are very specifically only attracted to people like themselves and it's kind of refers to um a very specific more homogenous gay group whereas queer has become almost partially generational and partially applying to a broader term Uh, spectrum of sexuality so it's m more of a catch-all for like trans or 
bi also, but then also, yeah, different gender and sexual identities. Um, Queer means like not straight. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> exactly. So it's, everything it's, else. Yeah, and that's really that's that's also yeah. a political yeah. definition too. Yeah. Queers, and maybe it's not so much anymore, but was had this at the beginning a very yeah. political thing. Like we're not normal. Like we're not straight. <laughs> so okay, um, it was defined majority, almost by right? what it's yeah. not, yeah. and then people own it in their yeah. own way. Yeah. So. Okay, but um, isn't it difficult as you're uh, such a diverse group and um. Just um, uh, read some stuff in the internet as usual, um, uh, and I found that there are a lot of discussions within the queer group because um, is trans uh, being a transsexual something different as being lesbian and gay, and what does it mean? And the, the bisexual people are also something different, so you have a lot of groups in uh, one gathering, and you have to discuss inside your group and so on don't think it's really easy to speak with one voice to the others. No, for <laughs> sure. This one, no? And I, I think the gay political aims that were very specific things like marriage rights or uh, gays in the military, yeah. these are two big issues of the more mainstream gay yeah. rights movement that have had a lot of success in the States. In, in the, the US, yeah. Years. Um, I, I think that... People have defining themselves as queer want to solidarize themselves with yeah. people who are different from them, maybe. So I'm a lesbian, actually. You know, yeah. I um, actually have a relatively narrow sexuality yeah. insofar as I'm yeah. just attracted to women <laughs> and I just identify myself as a woman. Yeah. But I, I think I like queer spaces because it's not just like a, a queer party or a queer event or queer politics, because it's not just specifically the issues that concern other people just like me. Mm. Um, but it's, I think embracing the term queer is a way of solid solidarizing yourself with people who have faced sort of similar issues of just having a different sexual orientation or gender orientation. Um, and just kind of expanding your political sphere to, other people who face similar things, but not just wanting to only hang out with a bunch of lesbians or only yeah. care about the, the political <laughs> totally. fate of lesbians. Totally. And for me too, like just one more thing to add, like the, if I think about like queer groups and queer community, there's so many other identities that people have other than just being gay or lesbian or however, like bisexual or transgender. And so those groups, like you can't just pretend the gay community is one thing or mm -hmm. and then if in the u.s for instance what happened with the politics and the movements is like the white gay people white gay men mm -hmm. were like we're all one like da 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 <laughs> and like for instance like there's other mm -hmm. movements and things like transgender people were like fuck you and like <laughs> queer people of color were also like fuck mm -hmm. you we face mm -hmm. so many different issues like police brutality mm -hmm. is our main issue but maybe as a white gay man you don't deal with those things so like mm -hmm. there's always going to be these conversations within the community but it can't even just stay within the community because mm -hmm. there's it's so complex that there's no way you can ever make a decision like oh mm -hmm. this means this that's just anti the idea of queer in the first place. Okay. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. So we'll go with queer for... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Complicated. Complicated it. It's, it's yeah. good though. Okay, um, so yeah. anyway, if anybody likes to know more, just read a lot of 
Artikels in Wikipedia und you get an idea. Yeah. Um, just to, to, to take a step a little back, um, so as I understand it, um, because we uh, define in terminology, straight means the uh, a person who is attracted to the opposite sex. Someone, opposite gender. Yeah, yeah op mm -hmm. opposite gender. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's yeah, it's, good. It's I can, I can, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is important, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the opposite gender. Yeah. That's a good, good thing. What's the difference between sex and gender? Yeah. Um, so sex is, has to do with your biological sex. Um, and so biological sex can be defined in a lot of different ways. Like people use chromosomes, like different kinds of like your biology. Mm -hmm. Um, and gender is the way you express yourself. And so I, um, for instance, I identify as femme, which mm -hmm. is something like I express my gender, um, in a feminine way. Um, and so... Yeah, gender is more of a performance, um, and biological sex is something that has to do with um, your biology, your body. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so on this on this table, um, which our e recording equipment is on, <laughs> I read the sticky "fuck gender" bin binary. Yeah. So, <laughs> what does that mean? Just this idea of there being two genders and no other ones, <laughs> I guess, gender binary. Basically, you are masculine or feminine, and that's that. those are your two options. And I, I think that's something I struggled with a little bit uh, growing up because I was always mistaken for a boy, and um, that never really bothered me, actually. And I think I've realized with age what continues to bother me about it when it happens is that if somebody says confuses me for a man or a boy usually a young boy <laughs> i'm confused as and i have to say no i'm a woman that doesn't even quite feel right because i don't feel like a woman i feel like me i do feel my gender identity is a little bit androgynous and then also within the lesbian community people sort of wanted to say that i was butch because that sort of uh What does butch mean? Yeah, it's sort of a ma more masculine-oriented lesbian, or yeah. or butchness ref refers to like masculine it's, it's, qualities it's like of you're, people. You're in a lesbian relationship. Who's taking the man? Yeah, role, right? that's basically it. Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. like, and and at some point, and still in certain lesbian communities, there are is a really strong embrace of gender roles that are almost performed. So you meet butch women who are almost like more macho than a lot of men you meet. <laughs> and yeah. I I don't, you know, there's plenty of people that have find that distasteful and there have been political struggles about that kind of thing dating back decades. I mean, ultimately, I think that's just part of another way to be queer. I don't have any problem with that, but I think um, people try to put this sort of butch label on me, but I, I'm not really that <laughs> butch, you know? I'm not... Um, I, I don't feel like everything implied by that term really, I relate to it very strongly. So, you know, what does that mean? I have short hair. I also like gesticulate a lot when I talk. I, I think I'm feminine in a lot of ways and masculine in a lot of other ways. And I do have a very uh, androgynous kind of gender orientation. And it's just nice to not have, having spent, you know, 10, 15 years being like, am I butch enough? Should I be acting differently as a lesbian? <laughs> like what kind of lesbian am I? To just be like, You know, I think the scene has opened up and made more space to just say, 
oh, you're just the way you are. You don't yeah. just, and also who you date. Like, you don't just have to date super feminine women because you're a more masculine lesbian. Mm-hmm. You can be attracted to whatever kind of woman comes around that you're attracted to and fall in love with. And that's kind of freeing because I definitely stressed out about that when I was first coming out in college days. Yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, it's essentially you don't want to be labeled. You want to be you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's <clears throat> I I'm not one of those people who hates being labeled so much. Like if you see me as butch, that's fun. That's a fine thing to be. I don't care, but I don't think it's really very accurate. Like I don't feel like that label actually gets me at all. So I mean, I I don't feel personally super reduced and like pained by it, but. I just think it misses things and I think it was a problem when I was trying to live up to that label or something and maybe even trying to be more butch because I felt like well that's what I am I'm just not good at it or something <laughs> yeah. I'm not butch um, enough yeah. you know <laughs> I'm not very very good at being myself yeah. exactly uh, <laughs> the danger mm. um, and another level of it is like the fact that society wants so much for there to only be two genders Like, we want so much for, like, the binary means, like, there's only men and there's only women. And if anyone's outside of that, there's this threat of violence or, you know, like, real things happen to people or mm. people notice you or they comment, like, oh, you're in the wrong bathroom yeah. or that kind can of you, thing. Um, yeah. Can you explain a few stories of, of that to make it a little bit more vivid? Why, why I mean, yeah. why does a, a society want you to be man or woman? Yeah. Well, I think one obvious, the one question any lesbian that you've ever met in your life gets has gotten before many, many times. And I, for example, one time when it was kind of in a sort of high pressure threatening situation, like I've had this question a billion times, but I was in a cab in Spain and the guy, when he stopped and I needed to get the receipt from him and everything, instead of like just letting me pay and taking my money and giving me my chains and writing the receipt. Mm. He asked me if I was a lesbian, and I have, even when I'm not super comfortable answering that question, I really don't like to lie about that, because it mm. goes back to having been in the closet at some point, which we all have been, you know? So I said, yeah, I am, you know? And then uh, all these questions, you know, like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? And then always the question, so which one of you is the man? <laughs> and I said, we're both women, that's what makes us lesbian. <laughs> But it's it's people who you don't Even total strangers is basically... Am I allowed to swear on this? Yes. <laughs> People who you've just met and only exchanged a few words with are perfectly happy basically asking you, well, who fucks who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's extremely invasive. It makes you feel super, like, creeped out. And it's just like, depending on how cornered you are or how alone you are with this person or how much bigger they are than you, It can feel very like threatening, you know, to have strangers then sort of grilling you about what you are or, you know, yeah. just because they don't know what you are, you know, they and they have to figure it out. Like, yeah. And there's like in I'm going to speak about like things that have happened in the U.S., but even in the U.S., like. There's a huge threat of violence and some stories is like there's a lot of especially like um, transgender people, like people who are born who have uh maybe they were like female assigned at birth so when they were born they're assigned female um and then maybe um throughout their life feel like oh i'm not in the right gender and then transition and 
decide, okay, I'm going to, you know, however the transition goes for them, be um, a man or to choose to live their lives as a man, expressing themselves that way. Um, and especially like people who transition from being a man and deciding to express themselves as female. So it would be um, male to female, transgender. Like there's been so already this year, I think more than 15 trans women have been murdered in the United States. Um, and mostly trans women of color. And there's not a lot of like um, employment opportunities for transgender people. And so it's like this thing where people often resort to sex work because that's one of the ways that transgender people can find employment. Um, but in the U.S., sex work isn't a legal job. And so there's also things like walking down the street, there's like... Um, police will pull you over because it's called like walking while trans is like a crime because police will be like they think you're a sex worker if you're walking in the street because you have because people don't because if you don't have like the right kind of outfit or you know you don't like totally pass as a woman like you don't look like exactly like a woman or whatever that means in society then police can pull you over or they can't pull you over but they do and this is like a really big of violence to people who don't fit this binary who aren't who are living somehow outside and even if they've chosen the binary maybe for themselves because they want to express themselves as a woman like because of whatever reason don't pass in society there's this huge threat of violence so mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's like it's just so intense like already this year 15, 15 more than that i mean i'm sure i don't know what the number no is idea. but um so we have august Statistically, they're, they're like I mean, it's probably seven more way, way more. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's really, um, and I don't know the statistics for Germany, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's really, this idea of fuck gender binary, really, it's a violent thing when people are like outside of this. And that's sort of the irony too, right? If you're transgender and you are, are so sort of good at it as far as lots of hormones lots of surgery mm -hmm. to the point where which also people, depends on class and access to money and stuff right too. and you and you fit in you know you pa completely pass as a man or a woman if you've managed to make it to the other pole of the gender binary yeah. then you're a little bit safer you know and you're over the river right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. it's that being in between that people get really uncomfortable with and scared by and kind of have mm. all kinds of different reactions to yeah, yeah for sure um, I think feeling uncomfortable is natural because it's something someone doesn't know and people like me or Viney are probably I have difficulties understanding those people but of course violent is, violence is not the right way to deal with this uncomfortability mm -hmm. so how should one go about it what would you wish Well, what How should you talk to people when you meet them at the party well, what I think I would wish is that there is increasing acceptance for that and increasing visibility so that people don't have immediate feelings of discomfort because maybe they're not used to every person they talk to being so clearly identifiable. And the fact is, I didn't have transgender community when I was growing up. Um, my... Uh, House, uh, my my college roommate was trans, so had been born identified female, so had lived as a woman until, and he transitioned, started to transition really really early, it was like with ten or eleven maybe even, 
started um, like shaving his face because it makes it come in more. And already, I, I would say for the period that I lived with him, it was like a six-year period of not yet having started taking hormones, but still was so androgynous looking that people really had no idea what was going on there. Just were just totally like, you know, asking me about it. So Mike, like, what is that? <laughs> you know? And, um, and then, but then at some point started taking hormones, had like a full beard. And, um, I heard somebody ask him like, Oh, you have such small feet for a man. And he was just like, Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> But it never would have occurred to this person that, you know, Mike had never not been uh, a, a man. And honestly, it has been for me a project as far as I've like I've evolved so much in the last maybe five years. I think even more so since I moved to Berlin, because there's a lot of really strong trans and genderqueer community here. But I hang out in bars and parties and clubs and, and places around the city where you know, 25% of the people are what, you know, you would probably describe because you're not like used to this is just, you know, like women with a lot of facial hair or men wearing a skirt or whatever to the point that it just completely, it's not that hard. Once you know five or six people that aren't, you know, super gender binary, you stop, it stops having that immediate feeling of just, almost an emotional reaction of panic when you encounter them, you know? Yeah. And I think that there, the world is moving in that direction. I mean, in the media, there's a lot more high profile, uh, gender queerness in general. I think it's almost inevitable. Yeah. Like, also hmm. there's so many cool, because of the internet, there's so many cool blogs and places where you can read stories from people and people are published, publishing hmm. their stories. And so you, when you meet someone at a party, like you don't have to be like, Oh my gosh, tell me everything because it, you don't know them. Like, I mean, it's just the same like you would with anyone, but at the same time, if you're like educated and know more about issues that people face, then mm -hmm. I mean, that's awesome. Then you just know more about how other people have to move through the world. And when you go to the bathroom and you know which door to go into and it's not stressful for you, you can think, okay, this is, mm -hmm. could be a situation that could be really stressful for someone like so those kinds of things i think is really cool when people another terminology word is cisgender so cisgender is the idea it comes from chemistry so cis is um matching like directly like one to one and trans is switch so like trans is like when you are assigned like male at birth and then you switch like to female and for me i'm cisgender which means i was assigned female at birth and i um, identify as female. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're cisgender, you can educate yourself more about like what are the issues that like people face. And I've like tried to do that. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really like tough though because everybody's different. Like you can't have this like, oh, I'm gonna do these five things at this party and then I'm gonna be a great person. It's like yeah. it's not that easy, you know. And there's so many different kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. so. But I, I think practically speaking, like you don't want to interrogate, ask somebody personal questions that you wouldn't ask a normal person that you perceive as normal, you wouldn't ask them super personal questions about their gender and sexuality. But I think a lot of people, if you ask them, how do you identify? That's not um, an unwelcome question. 
generally i mean yeah i mean for me like i'm gonna bring if it you don't back know what pronouns to use or something yeah. yeah but for me like as a queer woman like feminine femme woman like people have asked me so many inappropriate questions about my life without knowing me and i fucking hate them. i mean but i get really angry and i'm like, <laughs> almost like i get really like, aggressive but sometimes i don't feel safe being aggressive i mean so <laughs> i don't know i mean because you're in a bar you're in a bar it's 3 yeah. a.m and yeah. you're sitting with your um other feminine queer woman person you're having a conversation mm -hmm. two guys come up to you it's 3 a.m on a saturday night and the bar is about to close or a tuesday night or something and then like they come and they're like oh like what are you doing here and we're like we're gay <laughs> and they're like well you don't look gay and you're like well we are and then they start asking all these fucking questions you're like you know what we were mm -hmm. enjoying ourselves you can get you mm -hmm. can fucking excuse yourself from this conversation mm -hmm. but people just have no respect mm -hmm. you know what i mean so hopefully you you won't do that but <laughs> but as an example of these intrusive questions really mm -hmm. feel like and you want at the same time to educate people but God damn, sometimes mm. you just have to leave people mm. alone. <laughs> yeah. um, Amanda, you mentioned already there is a lot of queer community in Berlin. Mm -hmm. What are, what? How do these communities look like? What well, does happen here in Berlin? Yeah, I think in Berlin, compared to other cities I've lived in, there are more spaces that are dedicatedly queer spaces as far as this isn't like a one party that happens one night a week where queer people can get together and have a or party. Or in Hamburg once a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's There's like bars where anytime you go in there, the bartender and maybe three or four of the patrons will be trans or something. And and this is, it's it's very unique and, and cool. I think there's just um And more, I think because Berlin's such a young city and such a political city, the sort of shift from the old school, sort of like gay, lesbian, dedicated uh, scenes has been more fully abandoned here. I think the sort of more m modern, current kind of wave of gender politics is way more predominant here. It tends to be really... Um, uh, Do you think really that, gender do queer? Do you think having a gay um, mayor did influence that to a certain degree? No idea. I don't know. <laughs> It's hard to. Yeah, I, I guess I can't speak to that. It feels cool that there was a gay mayor, but um, in a way. But I don't think that most of the queer scene in Berlin was really huge fans of Overwrite or something. <laughs> you know? yeah. He contributed maybe a little bit to the general culture of Berlin, even more so than specifically the the queer. Yeah. And that's another thing where this identity politics mm -hmm. comes into play. Because, like, what if? I mean, I don't know this person's politics that well, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to make an example. But like, I don't know if they were like really anti-immigrant or something. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is that going to do for the queer people who are mm -hmm. here who are trying to apply for asylum mm -hmm. because? And then they can't. And what is that mayor going to do for them? Mm. So it's like, yeah, he can be gay, but you know, there's so many other kinds of issues that queer communities are facing that sometimes the visibility helps, but sometimes it's just like, mm. I don't know. You yeah. can't find. Yeah. It's sometimes it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It depends and do you on know the, the story when he was first elected? 
Ja. Um, so he didn't come out publicly ja, before. Ja, ich bin schwul, das yeah. ist auch gut so. Ich denke, er hat to a certain degree he changed what is what 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 is feasible in in politics yeah. in general in germany but that's why what way back yeah. in right super hard for me to speak the german politics yeah. <laughs> because i don't quite know what's going on but i thought it was cool before before i moved to berlin you know i found a picture on the internet of overwriting a dress and, a yeah. <laughs> and i was like oh this is a cool city yeah. you know? and you have to i think those kind of just those kind of high profile Uh, displays feel good to me because at least I know I'm moving into a city where everybody gets what gay is at least you know nobody yeah. here is completely ignorant of homosexuality <laughs> <laughs> and and so it, it does feel kind of nice to have it, it feels like a safer space to enter into when you know that yeah you know, even you know in Marzahn like at least they know the mayor's gay <laughs> they're yeah. not completely like, they've never not met a gay person where there are plenty villages in the world you know where it's like nobody's ever encountered a real life gay person that they knew was gay <laughs> or had to acknowledge was gay so and you could still be a pretty bad uh, mayor if you're oh, gay for sure. yeah that's yeah yeah it's kind of what i was trying to say <laughs> there's a lot of shitty gay people <laughs> yeah. no lies yeah so um are you engaged in any Political activities around gay in, in Berlin or Germany? Yeah, I, no, I can't really claim to be at the time, apart from going to uh, solely parties and things. Mm. <laughs> yeah, full-time job, traveling a lot. I'd love to be more involved. Although, frankly, I think if I had more energy for political activism right now, I'd probably get more involved in asylum and refugee politics because I think I think gay people in Berlin are doing okay right now. As far as they're being gay, they're safe enough with that. They have places to go. We're yeah. we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Building community, I think, is important. You know. Yeah. Yeah, building like yeah, like networks of people, and I don't know, but I'm not involved in anything. Like I don't really know a lot about the movements that are happening, and I think like we do have some friends who are, work with queer young people, um, mm -hmm. which is like. I used to work with queer young people in the United States. And so that's something that's really close to my heart. Um, but something that I haven't looked into here yet because of like language or whatever, like getting my feet on the ground. Um, but yeah, I wonder what the environment is like for queer young people, even in Berlin, because I lived in San Francisco and like, Queer young people in San Francisco still were queer young people in a high school. Just because they lived in this super accepting city doesn't mean they didn't have like shitty, you know, things happening to them yeah. within the confines of like being a young person. So I kind of wonder. But yeah, I'm not. I don't know anything about that. But le maybe, that maybe let's let's go into that topic a bit in in Chicago. So as as I understand, you you've been working for, um, um in a non-profit organization in the U.S. full-time. Yeah. Um, what was that organization and what it's, were you doing there? Yeah, it's called um, Gay Straight Alliance Network. And it's it's called Gay Straight Alliance because there's these clubs in high schools mm. um, called GSAs. So that's, I'll say GSA from now on, but it means Gay Straight Alliance. And a lot of people, you can call the club whatever you want, but the idea basically is that young people 
form a club at their school and then they do different kinds of activities to support um, the queer, gay, lesbian, transgender communities at their school. Um, And the organization I worked for worked to network those clubs together and also help those clubs after with the networking also form political campaigns so that they could campaign their school district wide level also at the regional level and at the statewide level for better policies that affected them in their schools. And that was anything from anti-discrimination policies to even funding for schools because funding is so bad for schools in the United Mm. States. Um, And so access to kind of basic, um, basic facilities. Um, And my work was about, there's a lot of people around the country doing this work all over and it looks completely different wherever you are. And my job was to network those people with each other. So I worked and I planned a conference where all those people were able to fly to the same place and meet each other in person, also young people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then doing things like monthly calls, trying to facilitate kind of conversations where like I maybe knew someone in Arizona is working on a campaign that might be interested in connecting with someone in Boston and then getting them together. But kind of trying to stay out of it but just connecting people um yeah so what are the problems i would face today if i would go to a high school in america and i would identify as well oh, i don't know <laughs> that's i mean it's like really depends yeah if you want to answer i don't know if you want to well i i can only speak to we had a gsa at my high school um one of these groups and i i went to a high school that was uh, in an area that was super, super liberal, so left, lefty, accepting. Um, the GSA had, had started up a few years before I got to sc- the school. Apparently, when it was first being started, the lesbian phys ed teacher that was helping start it uh, was getting death threats and all kinds of hate stuff, even in that community. But at at the point that I was at high school, what I really needed from the GSA was just a way to meet a few other gay people. Because even if you're in the most accepting high school, as far as the politics of the area and everybody's cool with it, you're still kind of alone with it. Because yeah. They're like, there cool aren't going to be that many, there aren't going to be that many other out gay people at your high school. So you're going to be sort of a, an oddball if you're out and if you're closeted then you know there's that too and depending yeah. on your family accepting you or whatever closeted means uh hiding your sexual identity yeah. pretending that you're straight you know so um from being in the closet hmm. um the gay barashrank <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. so you're going to be you know you're going to be lying to everybody around you you're going to feel really isolated and that's that's something that i think is going to happen even with a lot of social acceptance you're still at the time when kids are starting to date each other and ask each other out to prom and starting to have sex and make out and all this stuff you're gonna be a little bit isolated alone most likely unless you're networked with wider gay community groups that are coming from a broader geographical area where you can hang out with the other gay kids totally it's sort of just part of it you know Yeah. yeah And I think like one other, like a big issue that queer and transgender and like we would say like gender Mm non-conforming, so people that don't conform to this gender binary, like issues that young people face in schools is 
in the U.S., schools are becoming increasingly um, um, policed. So police, instead of, there's these policies called zero mm-hmm. tolerance policies. Mm-hmm. It means that there's no tolerance for the fuck up, like how you just messed up or like mm-hmm. the mistake you just made. So young people, if they um, are being harassed at school and they are, don't want to, they have to skip school because their bully is around the mm-hmm. corner and like beating up them up and um, that's like trauma for them in school. So they're not able to perform as well as their peers. Um, they might be thinking about like, they might be becoming depressed or thinking about suicide because that they don't feel like there's an option for them. And then also if they're skipping school, there's laws in the U S that you have to go to school probably here too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go, then because of these new zero tolerance policies, actually you can get arrested mm-hmm. as a young person for not, or be, have a criminal record already as a 16, 17, 18 year old. And so what happens is because of the extra hurdles that queer and transgender young people face in school, they're actually earlier and much, much more likely to become from like have a, this police record already as a young person. And it's actually a phenomenon that's super many like way fewer queer young people graduate from high school because of this and are put earlier um, in prison and it's called actually the school to prison pipeline so it's actually like this way that the state can imprison young people from a very very early age and it mostly impacts young people of color in like schools that don't have as much funding mm-hmm. or like already there's a strong police presence because um, if teachers don't agree with queer or like don't get the gay thing or like are like you can't wear those bobble you can't wear that to school then the teachers and administrators mm-hmm. are more likely to have more harsher punishments mm-hmm. for those students and unfortunately in the u.s harsher punishments could mean going to jail already as a young person mm-hmm. so And uh, from which angle does uh, the zero tolerance come? It's uh, religious induced or? It's mm. actually um, a very popular way that um, people are. Um, it became a popular under George Bush. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that in schools, we aren't going to tolerate bad behavior anymore. So mm-hmm. we have zero tolerance for bad behavior. So. Um, before when people would cause trouble at school, you have three warnings or something, you know, mm-hmm. say, for example, you have three warnings, mm-hmm. but with this new kind of thinking, it was like, you're going to get suspended right away. But mm-hmm. what does that do? It, it just very takes quick to throw yeah. people out of school. Exactly. Yeah. It just, let's get the problems out. Mm-hmm. Let's get the problems out. Let's put the problems in jail. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens is people perceive different, like, especially black people in the U.S. as a threat right away. Mm-hmm. And so administrators are just taking young people and throwing mm-hmm. them in jail to get them out of their schools. Yeah, but then the question is, what is bad behavior? Because um, as far as I understand it, okay, um, if you sell drugs, if you um, beat up people, whatever, this yeah. would be okay. So yeah, yeah, you're a bad yeah. person. So we have to deal with you. But totally. being different, uh, dressing different, Yeah. Loving other people's or behaving in a different way, and this is not bad yeah. on my side of the view. And so, um, is that, is yeah, I understand. Yeah. I can yeah. give an example. Yeah. Or, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, say like, um, I'm a young person and I have like r- the same group of people have been bothering me, mm-hmm. and like 
they finally like the whole year even like they've been like bothering me and like calling me names and like giving me shit and i'm so sick of it and they come up and they like threaten me or corner me or something at school and i fight back what happens is the administrators are like you started it and then they blame it the Mm -hmm. violence on the young person who Mm -hmm. is defending themselves Mm -hmm. and that's a really common pattern where people end up in trouble because they're defending themselves and so it's you can think of it without context as violence but this young person mm. is really just trying to make it through the situation because they're that the they nexus of the problem somehow yeah, yeah exactly they're creating the problem and it's like well if you didn't dress different. like that if you weren't <laughs> so if you weren't trying to be so out right mm-hmm. now yeah. if you mm-hmm. weren't so gay mm-hmm. if you weren't so if you weren't so loud about mm-hmm. who you are, then you wouldn't be causing all these problems in my school. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. And it just, once it starts, it gets worse and worse because mm-hmm. of the way the police and the uh, jail system is set up in the U.S. So it just becomes like this self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah. It, it sounds really strange to me because in Germany we have um, in the Grundgesetz, uh, in our yeah, so-called constitution, um, uh, the law that you can express yourself whatever way you want as long as you don't uh, go against any other law. So if you don't kill people, if you don't do illegal stuff, so it's okay, you can be whatever you want. Um, isn't there something... Of, we have those uh, laws. Uh, yeah, so, and so, the question so is whether they're implemented and yeah. it doesn't... Um, a law written somewhere mm-hmm. in a large book in mm-hmm. some government building isn't the kinds of things mm-hmm. that help administrators you know like have some kind of sympathy towards mm-hmm. this context to help in this individual situation it's like it doesn't go to the implementation mm-hmm. side of things very easily okay so, yeah but uh, but as far as i at least i understand uh, the german grundgesetz is some um, uh, mind setting which the whole german people at least yeah, yeah. Uh, rely on and said yeah okay basically that's what we want to have as a community here and so i'm just wondering because america was founded as okay every people which are not welcome in europe got to america and so now america was founded <laughs> by white straight <laughs> yeah okay right. but but they claim to be the country where everything is possible and, and also uh, like founded on slavery i mean it's not like this yeah there were slaves like, then. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah okay like, the yeah. Is, a lot of a lot of the laws have changed piecemeal and um a big issue right now is because i think and and like oh, i don't know about germany so mm-hmm. much but in in france for example mm-hmm. you have secular state But in America, we have religious freedom. It's almost the opposite, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. We now, don't have a secular state. And now religious freedom is coming mm-hmm. into con- conflict mm-hmm. legally with anti-discrimination issues. Mm-hmm. So there are private companies who are owned by people with religious ideas. And it's been, cases have been circulating in the high courts of do we have a religious right to discriminate against people who are gay mm-hmm. because it's against our religion mm-hmm. and so they try to frame the issue as an infringement of their right to their religion to have to acknowledge the equality of gay people and because there's no constitutional 
you know, in, in the old laws, there's nothing mm-hmm. preventing people from discriminating, obviously, mm-hmm. based on sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there's no old legal uh, thing you can hold on to to say no gay people are equal or something, mm-hmm. you know, that, but there is something defending mm-hmm. religious freedom to practice your religion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the laws have to come in from every mm-hmm. side through the courts, be changed, and this sort of anti discrimination. There is no federal across the board anti discrimination mm-hmm. legislation. It's all piecemeal, it's mm-hmm. all different mm-hmm. state laws, things coming in. Yeah. There still are plenty of companies yeah. who can fire you for being gay. It's, it's you know... So do we need a new amendment of the Constitution saying not only the freedom of religion, also the freedom of sexuality and sexual... Yeah, but yeah, uh, you there have, uh, all, all the people are equal, yeah. <laughs> yeah but Amendments are hard, but court decisions. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, what prob- possibly, probably, hopefully will happen is I am a company, I refuse to serve gay people The gay people will go through the courts and say, we're equal. This is against, you know, this is um, discrimination. They'll yeah. fire. And then if the court decides that was discrimination, then discrimination will become the law of the land based mm-hmm. on court precedent rather than. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but laws are interesting because it's a law. Like, yeah, it's like one thing. But then if it's implemented or, for example, like young people can know there's an anti-discrimination mm-hmm. law but they might not know how to file a complaint or how they would even do that. I mean, when was the last time you filed a complaint for being harassed on the street? Well, I wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> for example. Okay. So, okay. So, um, most, culture, you know. Mostly yeah. if, if you go to court, um, you have to face um, the other side who said, yeah, but uh, my law is older than yours, and so skip it. Or I think, yeah, the courts have been finding... The courts have been pretty positive towards, uh, and I mean the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a court in Alabama, mm-hmm. you know you never know who yeah. the judge is going to be. Or, but these things get up the pipeline, and mm-hmm. the our Supreme Courts did just legalize gay marriage and did um, overturn, you know, allow gays into the military. Mm-hmm. So these things have been happening at that level. It's a delicate balance, you know, it's like four votes versus five votes, mm-hmm. so nothing's for sure, and um, the cases as far as this right to freedom of religion are are interesting and kind of a weird, dangerous current, because there isn't any, like, there, there are still places you can get fired for being gay. It's not, it's not uh, yet enshrined in our legal precedent or our constitution or somewhere that that's not possible. So it's mm-hmm. still a patchwork, you know? And I haven't sued anybody for street harassment, but if I got fired from my job for being gay, I probably would go to... Yeah, but the problem is <laughs> yeah. people don't go, I'm firing you because mm-hmm. you're gay. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like you have this long-standing mm-hmm. bias. You find the things mm-hmm. that they do wrong that maybe other people mm-hmm. do wrong also. And then you fire them and then you don't know. And I think that also that constant of like, is it because I like, is it because of this or is it because of that? Or like this kind of like forces you into this defensive position mm-hmm. where you're always wondering, like, are they not, you know, are they treating me like that because of this? Or it's, it's a little bit, I mean, I wouldn't for different people. It's more intense, I mm-hmm. would say, but it's, I would say for me personally, I mean, I don't know. It's a bit awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, And it's a cultural patchwork, too. Yeah. So very close to where I grew up, 
you can go to the court of public opinion, you might say. There was a sort of a scandal last year where this lesbian couple was buying wedding dresses and the bridal dress company refused to do it for them. Mm. And they just tweeted about it, you know. <laughs> and they're sort of in a part of the country that's liberal enough that there was enough bad attention on them to whatever apologize or I don't know. It it hurt it hurt their business and mm-hmm. it attracted a lot of heat from activists and that was sort of a success but if you're living in a state or a part of the country where there aren't a lot of friends in the region then tweeting that you were harassed or like that you know if you tweet that the hobby lobby uh <laughs> like uh, or, the hobby lobby What's or that? chick-fil-a oh the, well the hot the hobby lobby was one of these companies that doesn't want to hire gay people oh yeah but um, just you know, some business treated you badly. Then maybe there aren't enough people in your region to rally around you, or maybe you know, there's there's so many different cultural sort of um, regions of this. Also, like the United States is a huge country, so mm. I I don't know what it's like. I mean, you've had more contact yeah. with people in the South or whatever because mm-hmm. yeah, but. Um, so let's let's go back to this constitutional court thing. So they ruled um, gay marriage to be legal, as I understand it. Yeah. What does that mean for you? <laughs> Nothing that, means I can get married. No, that's not true. <laughs> okay. Oh, we could argue about, about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter for you because <laughs> you live in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. For that, example, that was not. Uh, so I, I didn't. I didn't mean for you personally as no as i know i know i know but <laughs> i was but we fought about this already like politically like we yeah. have different opinions on it oh that's but, good for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but for example before i met laura i was in a relationship with a german woman and we could live in germany because we could get a lebenspartnerschaft that would provide Titel for me mm-hmm. and there was this idea of oh you know at that point we were rather serious together Maybe we want to have a future. Maybe we'd like to live closer to my family at some point. How can we do that? You would have to. It's not. You probably know it's not that easy for a German, um, for a to, straight couple, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to just to just move to the states and be able to stay there, and even even with job prospects, I mean, it's really really difficult. So depending on. Maybe with tech jobs, it's a little easier, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's not it's not that easy to get uh, Elfenhaus in in America, and that would now not be a problem. And and that's a major thing because that's your life. I'm basically saying if I choose to be in love with this person and stay with them, then I'm never going to live by my family again. <laughs> you know, either I'm choosing between my partner and my family now because no government acknowledges that what we have together and are trying to build together is important. So that's major. Um, apparently, tax stuff is major. It's huge. You have to hire a lawyer to do your taxes. So, like, extra money all the time, or like to figure it out. Or you don't have to hire a lawyer, but it's impossible. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like there's no form that's like for you, you know, or, or whatever. In, or, in Germany, or in. Um, I don't, I mean, you know about. About taxes? Yeah. Not really, but I think. Here, in, this- in Germany, I mean, like. Is it easy with Lebensfreundschaft to do on that? I, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. German, German taxes are never easy. <laughs> <laughs> that, has, that, that has probably not so much to do with yeah. being lesbian. It's just 
Right. More than 50% of the world's literature on taxes in German. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, and that's for a reason. Oh are they weighing the documents yeah. because your pages are longer? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's yeah. just so fucking complicated. Yeah. But adoption is actually really complicated. Yeah. And I, I would yeah. imagine in, in America, I haven't lived there since gay marriage has been legal, but health insurance is such a major problem. Mm. And yeah. You know, some companies have just decided to offer benefits to life partners or something, but not really very many, I don't think. Yeah. And that's where, you know, a lot of people who have decent insurance that's affordable, it is still through their work because the system has so many holes in it. No, still. Yeah, it's so I can imagine if I could marry my partner and be on their health insurance, I, this could, is probably a huge game changer for a lot of families or a lot of yeah partners. It's a big deal. I think. One of the reasons why I'm right away like, no, is just because I don't, for instance, like my mom, so my younger brother is gay and it's just the two of us. So my mm -hmm. mom and my mom and my dad are divorced and my mom's family is very, very small and mm -hmm. her sister is gay. <laughs> so my mom's family is her sister, mm -hmm. me and my brother. So my mom is all like, gay. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is the queen of the gays. And she was like so excited when the gay marriage mm -hmm. thing passed because she's just like she wants wow. to experience a marriage <laughs> yeah, <she agrees. laughs> yeah but also i think for my mom my mom is also um a white woman and extremely class privileged right now i mean she's almost like part of the one percent she's like mm -hmm. head of a finance um um i don't know i don't even investment firm she's sort or of conservative mm -hmm. well. she's very rather conservative like extremely mm -hmm. conservative and at least her friends and her uh surrounding the people she knows are yeah. more mm -hmm. conservative than she is generally totally. and mm -hmm. her access to kind of like weirdness and like mm -hmm. alternative community is through her gay family mm -hmm. so when my mom hears about gay marriage she hears oh awesome it's done like gay people have everything they need mm -hmm. and i think from my perspective, there's so many things like I'm talking about young people and mm -hmm. school to prison, like young people going to prison for the issues that they're facing. Mm -hmm. And it's complicated and you need to learn more about it to understand why it's important with marriage. It's so easy to mm -hmm. think, oh, that's not right. And then just say, oh, I'm I want gay people to be able to get mm -hmm. married. And I really want people like my mom or just in general, people who don't have these issues to think like, okay, there's more though, you know, like there's more coming and that kind of thing. So that's why I'm also like, yes, marriage is super good, but I don't want people to forget there's so many other issues in this. There's no stuff like, to do. There's so much to do. I mean, yeah. it's not just that there's more, it's like there's so much and also maybe things that could be seen to different communities depending on where you are is like more important, but haven't been prioritized because of, like this mainstream white middle class, upper middle class LGBT movement has focused most on marriage or LGB movement. Take out the transgender because it's and like it's really, really important. And I think there's like so many other things that we need to keep thinking about. Right. Yeah. So um, okay. I think <laughs> you just started and it's a good start, but it's just a start. Kind of. I mean, yeah, yep. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we I agree. Like we agree. We argue about marriage because <laughs> I think that marriage, um, even if the movement and the money behind gay marriage was coming from sort of privileged class within the gay community, that 
this was the one thing they couldn't do. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. I, I still think that it's going to have really, really positive cultural cultural impact in places where, okay, now there are, it encourages people to be visible about their relationship. It encourages, I don't think a gay wedding in a place where people aren't yet that familiar or comfortable with gay people is, I think it's going to have cultural uh, effects, you know, it's like my 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 daughter. If you're invited to a gay wedding, that's going to happen more to more people. You know, they'll gay people. It'll encourage people to be more open because it's social. It's sanctioned, socially sanctioned, and that that brings people. It empowers people to come out and be more visible. Mm-hmm. It empowers people to say, "Oh, this is my wife," and not be like, "Oh, this is my friend." Mm-hmm. You know, it uh, gives people some legal support as well. You know, mm-hmm. because there are these. These couples are there, you know, and yeah. now now they have the government behind them. I think you can see this. I think you underestimate how much having a little bit of the law behind you empowers people, even when their culture is not totally ready for it. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's huge. I'm not trying to, like, yeah. dismiss it. I just... I love I think it's... this. Sorry, one thing I loved about this. In Mississippi, right at, after this happened, was it Mississippi? I think it was Mississippi. There was a court, there was a, a county courthouse that just stopped giving out marriage licenses 100% because they hated having to do this so much. They're like, nobody's getting married. And I just loved the idea of all the reluctant, uh, all the reluctant Beamta, like reluctant officials who don't want to do this, but now the federal government is like, Forcing them to acknowledge mm. these couples, you know, and that's that's beautiful too. <laughs> um, so in 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 the U.S., it was a court who mm-hmm. made it legal. In yeah. Germany, it's also the constitutional court, and the the Bundestag is the debate. In France, we had François Hollande making legal by political opinion, by right. by, by by expressing it as we as a society want to integrate those people. Yes. How much is that different? I mean, I got really excited about Ireland, for example, because this was. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Ireland was a was a popular vote yeah. in a very Catholic country. Yeah. To be pro marriage. Yeah, and of course, of course, that that would feel great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it happened in America. Yeah, I I believe in America by all the poll the poll numbers, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think. The Supreme Court at this point is a little bit sensitive to public opinion because on these kind of social issues, because they want history to judge Mm -hmm. them well, because they have so much power Mm -hmm. and their names are going on this decision. And if 15 years from now, um, denying gay people marriage Mm -hmm. rights seemed like previous court decisions, denying black and white people the Mm -hmm. right to get married, they don't want to be in that position. Mm -hmm. So. In America, broad-based poll numbers were actually around 51 to 49, slightly mm-hmm. in favor. And I think if that wasn't the case, I'm not sure if the Supreme Court justices would have found the courage mm-hmm. to make the decisions they did. But also, the way the American political system is set up for something like France to happen, you would need a lot more than 50% of the population there's no avenue like in Ireland for you to just ask the whole country what they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank heavens. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so that wouldn't, that never would have happened. But I, I, I think that there is as much of a social mandate, even if it's a little bit 
more patched together geographically. Although in Ireland, it's probably the same, right? There's probably cities where everybody's for it and towns where everybody's against it. Mm. So. All right. Um, I think I would be ready to close that episode, but not without giving you the chance to. <laughs> Sorry, uh, are we fighting? Say, <laughs> say the last. Uh, <laughs> The last word, anything you want to mm -hmm. say? Maybe what could be the next step after gay marriage? Yeah. Well, I just think that this gay marriage, it's so easy to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think it distracts from other issues. And I think we did that just now, too. And I think that we mm -hmm. can talk about these other things that are people are facing. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would just say that I'm not a professional no i'm not a full-time activist or even part-time activist and also i live internationally so you know the various different gay rights laws are less interesting to me than just how can we make i'm very concerned with young gay people and how to just make them feel less alone and strong in the world and i think that's yeah. the progress that i'm the most excited about yeah for sure young people i mean because like i came out when i was 22 And I'm 28 now, mm -hmm. so I've only been out for about six years. And I had my first, like, I guess, like, I don't know, sexual experience with a woman when I was 18. So I could have come out way longer before mm -hmm. that, but it's this, like, internal kind of, you know, that you have mm -hmm. to deal with. And maybe young people don't deal with that as much anymore, but depending on where you are. Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm, like, really, and obviously I was so passionate about it that I got and was very privileged to work with young people but i think yeah if young people can feel safe and proud of who they are then that's it and not so see cool. gay lesbian people as something disgusting mm -hmm. that they're afraid of everybody finding out they are yeah totally i mean that that's sort of my dream is just gay kids when they realize they're gay because this is something that happens to all gay kids not feeling like oh shit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeling like, like, oh, oh no. cool. I get to be gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, that's 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 yeah. my yeah. dream for the future. So, and you have the feeling this could happen in 15 years, uh, 10 years, five years. No, I. Oh. I it's, that's the problem. Yeah. We have this international context, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. It could happen in certain towns. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But maybe you know, there's then there's all of Russia, <laughs> yeah. Even, India. Like, mm. I mean, it's like there's so many Jamaica. people. <laughs> Yeah. Had their first gay pride festival this year. Yeah. In Jamaica? Yeah. Oh. People are doing <laughs> But they didn't have a parade. Work. They couldn't even uh, at this okay. point, you know. They just had a, mm. some sort of backyard barbecue mm. fun and games with the 45 people mm. who were brave enough to. So, yeah, obviously I can be optimistic about. Mm. But who knows. Mm. Um, I know that you're quite a fan of podcasts, Amanda. Is That's there true. any podcast you would... Uh, tell young people young. who uh, are struggling with their sexuality mm. your uh, new podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, sexuality yeah that's difficult because I haven't found many that specifically address these issues but there's a really neat podcast uh, that talks about oh, I'm going to blank on her name right now Janet Varney is her name and she is a comedic actress but it's not a comedic podcast at all and she talks to other b-list celebrities basically about middle school years and i think that 
is was really interesting because it's not a gay show at all but just talking about that period of time which i think was is really difficult for a lot of gay people and talking about how insecure everybody is at that age and then she's also had a few episodes with gay celebrities and or pseudo celebrities mm-hmm. <laughs> smaller celebrities that were interesting because i think um even hearing how much everybody was struggling and insecure at that age is kind of nice to hear. I think it's good for uh, 13-year-olds in general to listen to this podcast. So Janet Varney, V-A-R-N-E-Y. That was a nice, nice yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can I recommend one? Too? <laughs> um, this isn't a podcast, but there's mm-hmm. a new campaign that started from the organization I used to work for, and the hashtag is TransTruth. And it's young people and their families talking about what it's like to be a gender non-conforming young person and how they're dealing with mm-hmm. their issues. So I think if you go on Twitter and find that hashtag, but I'll look up a link and then you can put it mm-hmm. wherever you guys put that stuff. Okay. Um, do you like to recommend some organizations where young people can find more information? Yeah. What's the organization that Ben works for or used to work for? Do you remember? Glatt, what bet. is it called? Glad. Flat? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't specifically speak to okay. like the specific capabilities of any of them. Okay, well, we'll like maybe mm-hmm. put it on look the website up more about stuff <laughs> yeah. that's specific to Germany, and then also I can. Plugs with us. Um, the organization is that I used to work for. It's called GSA Network, and there's a lot of resources <laughs> and a lot of campaigns, and it's all U.S. centered. Mm-hmm. But there's some specific resources that might be interesting, but it's all in English. So, mm-hmm. but it's called gsanetwork.org. All right, we will just link that. Yeah, in the cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, thank you very much for being on the show. How did it go? Yeah. Feels all right? Yeah, feels all right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to ask you my question. <laughs> How do you feel about being straight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we were going to get out of here. I know. <laughs> no, no, so no don't, don't, don't answer. Don't answer. We'll talk yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Later. Okay, now is the moment where we we have the music again. Ah, cool. Um, <clears throat> and then... Uh, so we had Geva Pilsner here. Um, apparently, it's uh, Amanda's favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read the the Klappentext on the back? Yeah, das wei- weiche friesische Brunnenwasser und einer Spürhopfen mehr verleihen Geva Pilsner den einzigartigen und unverwechselbar erben Charakter. <laughs> Ooh, that was hard. <laughs> After I gave her at noon. <laughs> okay, so. um, how does the test? It's the best. <laughs> it's a very, they don't have IPAs here. Um, the India Pale Ale that's kind of popular in other Not? areas. Not, in Hamburg, you Yeah, get Ratan. Yeah, they exist. <laughs> not popular and widely available. Okay. But I think this is a Pilsner that has a bit of that bite. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of a hoppiness and uh, bitterness. Not at all sweet. Mm-hmm. No, no. I drink my coffee without sugar, mm-hmm. and I drink my beer 
Help. <laughs> I like that sentence. <laughs> yeah, what's right? Uh, dark beer? Dark beer. Yeah, dunkel beer. Oh, dark beer. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, not, I don't like, it's too mm -hmm. heavy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I like, what else do I like here? Hella beer, alt beer. Okay. Mm -hmm. alt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can only agree. Kiva is always very good. Mm -hmm. And I've never, I never thought about it as being near to IPA, but it's, yeah, it's true. It's very hard. Very fresh. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't okay. taste like an IPA, but it scratches the same itch mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah. Something with a bite to it. Mm -hmm. Not sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, from my point of view, Jever, classical Pilsner. <laughs> okay, so thank you. Goodbye.